and welcome to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Emil. And this week we implore you, do not get into that drain pipe. Do not get your arm bitten off by a clown. It, it, it seems like good advice just to tell people to stay out of the sewers altogether. True. This might be something that falls in with your line of interest anyhow, such as not splashing around sewers. Yes. But it's just, uh, we further advise you not to do it. Before we get started... Uh, talking about this week's movie, It, from 2017. How was your week? Um, my week was wonderfully unsurprising, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing out of the ordinary happened, which right now is good. Yes. I suppose. As we're heading into what's going to promises to be a... I will say this time. episode will come out mm-hmm. the week... Of the election. (laughs) So we are recording in advance. We don't know what happened. We probably even, as of the drop date of this, won't know what happened We might not, yes. It might be. So, yeah, but it's getting close. We're recording this on the 25th of October, year of our Lord 2020. (laughs) And uh, the next three months are going to be anybody's guess. So... Hey, future selves, hope you're doing okay. Um, you want to get into this movie sure. that I love so much? Yes. It's Spoiler a, it alert. I really, love this movie. really, really very good movie. I love this movie, and I also love the second one, and that one is less popular, but I don't care. People are wrong. Uh, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody about that, um, and I felt that it's hard to follow this movie because it was so good and because the choice of actors... We have a couple of genuine stars yes, in here. Absolutely. One of whom has broken out since then, uh, since this. Um, and so it's just, you identify more with the kids than you do with the adults. You do. And because they decided in this version to stay only with the kids and never see the adults in the first one, it is hard to make that leap right. to the second one. I'm fine with it. I still really like the second one. We will get into it when we get into it. It's going to be a while, y'all. It's going to be a while. But oddly, I think that the the television miniseries, It, had a more successful attempt in that it started with the adult actors and then flashed back to them as children. Exactly. And so right now, we, you know, when you, you're asking, the audience to put up with a group of actors, and it's almost as if they were chosen for their likability. You know? Interesting. I don't um, think so. But, I think that they were all pretty good in the roles. But I mean, the actors that you, that have a following that, um, and so they were sort of put into these parts, they actually physically resemble the kids a lot, too. Oh, I thought you were talking about the kids. Oh, no, 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 the okay. kids were let's not Let's not talk right. about the adults, because we're I mean, not even going to get... I'm explaining, that's the reason why gotcha. I think there was this separate, or it was separate from this particular film, and why it was, this was wildly popular. So, yeah, so let's talk about It, Chapter 1, mm-hmm. which is really just called It. It isn't actually called Chapter 1. Released in the United States, September 5th, 2017, running time 135 minutes, that's an hour, and two hours and 15 minutes, it is long, budget $35 million, box office, do you want to guess? Mm. $701 million, we call that 
a bona fide hits. Uh, this, you know, y'all, we've done this before. The story is the story, but we're, we'll, we'll go through it. Um, but we're going to primarily, I think, talk about the, the differences acting or the... and the differences. Yeah. yeah. We start, it's October of 1988, so right off the bat, we have time shifted mm-hmm. in the movie. I believe they also time shifted the history so that it would be every 27 years, because that's when it comes back in Derry every 27 years. Uh, so the, the time is different in the books, or in the, from the book, but that's just a function of we didn't want to do a period piece. Right. For the second half. Because we did do a period piece for well, the first also half. It reduces the, the impact of having a story, both the flashback and the what's supposed to be the current day of the story, take place in the past. Yes, that's true. So it's October. Bill Denborough crafts a paper parable for his little brother Georgie. He writes SS Georgie on it. I would like a replica of the SS Georgie. Maybe I'll paint it. Mm. Mm. And Georgie chases the paper boat sealed with wax through the rainy streets of Derry. And then it goes into a storm drain. And Georgie's like, oh, no, Bill's going to kill me. Bill's not going to have a chance, though, because inside that storm drain is a clown, clown in a drain. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Life tip. <laughs> Run away from the clown in the drain, even if he looks nice. And if he loves popcorn. He introduces himself as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. And he entices George to come closer, come closer. And then he chops his arm off so rude and then yeah, drags there, his little body into the storm a, drain. It's rough. I know some people who are not horror people who watched and enjoyed this movie. And I always felt that was the litmus test right there. Is if you can take watching this angelic little child having their arm torn off, then the you're child okay for the that rest they the get for this too, mm-hmm. the the little boy who plays Georgie. Is an angel here on earth. Well, he is very similarly, the most beautiful child. Uh, it also had a very kind of cherubic looking child who. Like the, the, the TV version? Yes, the TV version okay. has um, a very cherubic looking Georgie who is not slaughtered as graphically. This was television back then. That's true. Uh, back in the day. So yeah, this is way more graphic mm-hmm. than the television version right. just by dint of it's not on television. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, oh, was that mm-hmm. what you had to say? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it does make me think, though, that the, the, the casting director just went around with a copy of one of Botticelli or Caravaggio's paintings. There's a cherub, and it's like, try to find a child who looks like this. Yeah, that little boy, I'm, I'm trying to find his name right now, sorry. Jackson Robert Scott is the name of this young child. Mm-hmm. And his other credits include... Oh, right. He was in that Prodigy movie. Oh, I don't quite... And he's a, he's a little boy in Lock and mm-hmm. Key. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, which is not a Stephen King, but a Joe Hill uh, right. thing. So, yeah, he's... he's uh, yeah, he plays Bodie Lock in Lock and Key. Mm. So he's real into the uh, 
before. That's his well, that, first, that's, his yeah. first two things before this right. were Criminal Minds and Fear the Walking Dead. So Horror has, and we've talked about that before, horror has replaced the Western as the staple. And so there are more horror films produced than just about anything on the whole especially by low-budget studios. So you'll see a lot of actors just making appearances there and and moving on to other genre, but he seems to be much appreciated in this one. It's easy to attract a following also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And even though he's not like a creepy kid, creepy kid goes a long way. Right. Creepy kid goes a long way. All right, so. Then we have a cut to... This this is the weird thing about this movie. Time is squishy, right? So that happens in October of 1988. Mm-hmm. And then we basically fast forward through the school year. Because when we return, uh, like, like the next scene is like the last day of school, the second to last day of school. We go right into the, the end, right, of the school year. And there... We have we meet Bill's friends. So Bill is played by Jaden Martell, who or Jaden I'm sorry, Jaden Lieberhaar, Lieber. Yeah, he's going by Jaden Martell now. Lieber. Uh, he is now. He was in Knives Out. He was in the Lodge, and now he is in a show called Defending Jacob, which feels very much like. We need to talk about Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an Apple TV show that I we don't have. Apple TV is like the one thing, the right. one streaming service we don't have. Um, so he's doing a lot of work in the horror uh, field too. He's got a stutter. Bill has a stutter, if you recall correctly. His his stutter is. Look, I love Jonathan Brandis, so it's going to be tough for me to say that. Jaden is better than Jonathan Brandis with the setter, but he might be better than Jonathan Brandis with the setter. Uh, and then his other friends are Richie Tozier, played by the epically named Finn Wolfhard. This child is from Stranger Things, and uh, what was the turn of the, the turning? He was in <laughs> that. Uh, Don't watch that movie, no. y'all. Um, and He's going to be very famous, and I hope he doesn't burn out by the time he's 20. Yeah. Uh, so he plays Richie Tozier. Eddie Kasprak is played by... I've forgotten his name. Jack Dylan Grazer. He's probably my favorite. He might be my favorite. I like all these kids, though. I'd hang out with all of these. And Eddie's big issue, of course, is that his mother is doting and uh, tells him that he is frail. And uh, Doting isn't... She's a damaged creature. She's clearly damaged. And she is, um, she is convinced him that he's ill. So he's living in this, yes. this world of, uh, of being overly careful and being terrified of germs and being given gazebos uh, to prevent him to... <laughs> yes. These are gazebos. Right. These are bullshit. 
gazebos than placebo sounds the same well, <laughs> for a child. Yeah. Right. So um, that's one of the best fucking lines in this movie. This film is really, really, really well written. It is. It is extremely well written. I, I haven't seen this kind of sense of camaraderie in a cast also in a very long time. And they did that. Mm-hmm. They did a similar thing with the original where they, le- they had the kids hang out for a while. Right. Then we have Wyatt Olaf as Stanley Urith, who he's, yeah, his, his monster in this is to me the scariest. Uh, this painting it's, comes uh, to life and it's uh, right. deeply upsetting. This kind of Modigliani kind of knockoff thing that's. And Stanley is the one who really wants to believe that this isn't happening and really can't deal with the fact that it is, in fact, happening. Um, Chosen Jacobs is Mike Hanlon. He is, as they refer to him as, the homeschool kid. I say this in quotes, heavy quotes, because what they're not saying is, the black kid. Like, they won't call him the black kid. They, they, They... and they so ham-handedly won't call him the black kid that they call mm-hmm. him the homeschool kid. And I'm like, okay, except you well, definitely mean the black kid. I can understand kid. that. I mean, they didn't pull out the N-word, which was a part of the original. No. Um, uh, yes. Um, I think that in the 1950s, that would have been more of a problem. I think what they were doing in looking at it as being in the 1980s is that this was going to be less of the overt racism was going to be less of an issue, or at least that's the way they were going with it. Um, Also, I think maybe you should talk about how it, uh, how much his character changed. Yeah, let's, yes, let's do that once we get through Uh the the last of them. So, those are the, oh, and then um, Jeremy Ray Taylor plays Ben. Mm Mm-hmm. He's the fat kid, he's the new kid, and he's the kid who they give the history lessons to. Right. He's the one who's doing the history um, sort of deep dive on Derry because he's the new kid and that's what he does. He learns about the new places that he lives. Now, in the book, as you're saying, that's Mike's job. Mike right. is the, the, the historian among them and remains so into adulthood, which I think they switch Right. In this, and he does get it in adulthood, but he doesn't adult, get it. He has a, the adult actor has a much larger part in constructing the history of where it comes from and yeah. the mythology. And in this uh, one, though, the the kid who spends all of the nerdy kid who spends all of his time in the library, yeah, is is Ben. Ben. Yeah. So, uh, Mike uh, works with his father, who appeared to be that dude. The grandfather. His, right, his grandfather, his parents died in a fire, which is a pretty horrific thing. Right. They don't dwell on that as much as they could, I think, because it's a pretty horrific thing. Right. Um, this movie is loaded with... I remember seeing it with some friends, uh, you among them, and just mm-hmm. going, God, this town's filled with all kinds of monsters. Yes, yes. And so the, the racists and the pedophiles and the child abuse, there's just so yes. much wrong in this town yes. that I think if you dwell on that as well, it's like that tips it over into being something you're not going to watch a second time, as we've talked about. Yeah. And uh, Ben is bullied for being fat mm-hmm. and new. It's a bad combination. And then finally we have Sophia Lillis as Beverly She's amazing. She is really a standout here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's really good in that Netflix show that they canceled. 
They canceled it. They canceled it. So we're never going to find out how she exploded the guy's head? Nope. Oh, that's a pity. <laughs> um, we also saw her in um, a theatrical film, a very weird, arty theatrical film, a yes, horror film. Gretel. Yes. Hansel. What did they call it? I think it was I called forget. Gretel and Hansel. Yes. I don't know. It was a Hansel and Gretel movie. <laughs> if you haven't guessed that by now. Yeah. I've said it. I've said it enough now. Go ahead. Um, and she was, that movie was great. It was a, that movie was super good. It was a really good performance from her, too. Yeah. There's a, a scene where she's talking to mushrooms, where she pulled off this very kind of loopy speech where she's eating mushrooms and she's uh, having hallucinations and she has this whole conversation with mushrooms sprouting from the earth that I thought was just a moment where I'm going, this person's really watchable. Yes, Even yes. She's doing something really odd and off. Yeah. Yes. Um, so those are, are, that's our group. The Losers Club. The Losers Club. And of course they are bonded together because of the bullies. The Stephen King bullies for no reason bullies. Although this bullies the reason, reason is because dad's an abuser. Right. We see his father shoot at his feet, which causes him to urinate himself. And then... He loses his mind and stabs his father in the chest. Um, so, uh, or in the neck? Was it the neck? It was because he had, a, yes. he had a switchblade and he just put it up to his neck. Spoiler alert. So, Nicholas Hamilton plays Henry Bowers, who is a sociopath, but is also the child of a pretty yeah. significant I like abuser. the fact that we got some motivation, because otherwise he was just one of the... Yeah. Another, yes, one of and the there Stephen is King's. a thing in this... Where right at the beginning, mm-hmm. they chase down Ben, uh-huh. and he says, "I'm going to carve my initials into, or my whole name into this flap." Right. And you know, Henry's minions are holding Ben, but as soon as Henry cuts an H into him, they are legitimately horrified. Right, and I like that—the fact that there's um, they're like, yeah. we here to fuck with this kid but we weren't here to fuck this kid up like we're not fixing to commit a felony today kids in this one the bullies rather seem to actually be people we keep seeing in Stephen King repeated these kids who go along and there's no real reason most of the time for them to be as nasty and violent as they they are Yeah, or at least in the film adaptations not a lot of time is taken for that so this time it was really good to see that not only is there some sort of dissension in the ranks when his real deep crazy begins to show up, yeah, but also we're seeing a reason why he's this person. Right. Um, Owen Teague is also uh, one of the main characters. He plays Patrick Hofstadter, who is one of the bullies. He's got a real, like if you've seen Empire Records, mm-hmm. he's got a real Coyote Shivers vibe. It's this long, dark black hair, and then like a cut off, a cut off T-shirt situation, and uh, he ends up getting taken by it pretty quickly in this. But that dude is going to be playing. I've forgotten his name. The same character as Corin Nemec mm-hmm. in The Stand upcoming, okay. so we will see him again. Um, so. You know, we see each of them sort of be bullied a little bit. We see, mm-hmm. so Beverly is called a slut 
by the popular girls, it's pretty clear that she is not actually engaging in any kind of relationship with any of the boys, but right. we know that she's poor, she's poor, and I know she's poor because um, of the other movie where they refer to where she lived as poor, poor town. town, which that's a terrible name for the poor section of your town. Come up with something more creative, people. Come on. Uh, and But she is clearly hated by the girls, but we don't see her interacting with anyone. So, yes, I think she's got the, the class issue mm-hmm. working against her. And they throw, like, a garbage can full of, like, a bathroom garbage can full of liquid and detritus right. onto her. It's pretty fucking heinous. And, but she doesn't take that out on other people because then she, she has a cute interaction with Ben where he, she takes his headphones to see what he's listening to and he's listening to... The New Kids on the Block, because he knew what the fuck was going on in 1988. Um, and then that is a secret that she keeps of his. Right. And does not make fun of him, but does do these little uh, New Kids on the Block puns every time they, they talk, which is pretty good. Um, but she's very sweet to him without being she w- w- age-appropriately her sweet. Her is really funny, because... She's a character who realizes that, is beginning to realize at this point, that she has a power over men and boys. Um, one which she uses to good effect later on. Yes. Uh, but yes. She's, a, she's a flirt. Like, and, she knows, uh, she understands what she's being accused of. Right. And she understands that this is a possibility for her. She doesn't use it except, like I said, yeah, like you said, she later. Uses she uses her powers does. for good. <laughs> she does use her powers for but good. But she is flirting with Ben, and she, I mean, obviously you can just, you can practically see him, like his heart fluttering. It's, it's a really funny scene. Yes. And there are overtones in this, and there are overtones in the book. It is likely that There's at least, there is sexual abuse of some sort going on. Right. Whether it's overt and complete or just this control and you're my little little bevy Mm -hmm. um, is not explicitly. Obviously, when we see the father, he's sexually domineering. I don't know. So, yeah, what I got is I don't know that anything is actually physically happened to her. Right. But it's also possible that he's just waiting for her I think to... it's a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so and her... she's buying tampons at one point, so that time is upon her, which right. is why her horror is so horrific. Right. The, the chopping off all of her hair, one, you know, her father sees her and says she looks like a boy. Which and is what see, she's going for. Right, the whole plan that she's making to try to desperately put yeah. off her maturation. Yes. Yeah. So, um... Basically, on the first day of summer, the kids, the, the main group is going to go, He uh, Bill wants to go search the Barrens mm-hmm. because he thinks that's where Georgie's body would be. That's where he would have been washed, too. They have not found his body. Mm-hmm. He still calls him missing and not dead. Um, you know, Richie makes, Richie and Eddie both make some fucking jokes about some other missing kids right. right in front of Bill and then are like, oh, sorry. And it's like, 
hate dipshits. <laughs> like his brother is missing. Could you not? Um, and they come up, uh, a con- upon Ben, who basically throws himself down a hill after Henry carves an H into his body to try and get away because he's like, well, if my neck breaks, at least I'm not fucking bleeding out here. So he goes over and the the rest of them follow him and Henry loses his knife at that point, at which point he freaks out. Like his voice goes up several octaves Mm -hmm. and he's like, my dad's going to kill me. My dad's going to kill me. I'm like, his dad might actually kill him. Like it's a possibility. Um, and then Ben comes upon the rest of the boys and they are like, oh, you look like hell. And they like take him to town to try and protect him. It's, that's not with the rock fight. The rock fight's later. The rock fight's later. The rock yeah. fight has to do with protecting. Um, oh, Mike. Mike. Yeah, that's yes. right. Um, and so they go to the pharmacy and they're trying to, and Eddie's like loading up on. <laughs> First aid supplies, of which he knows much, but then right. they're like, we don't have any enough money for this, and Beverly runs into them, and they're like, um, there's a kid outside that looks like he got murdered, is <laughs> I think what, what Richie, Richie or Eddie say, and they're like, and Ben, Bill's like, we want to buy all this to help him, but we don't have the money for it, and Bev's like, I got you. And so he goes, and she goes, and basically, yeah, flirts with the pharmacist, who looks like Adam West. No, I don't think so. He looks like Adam West in a in a in costume. Yeah, not just That's Adam right. West on his day to day, but I, that dude reminds me of Adam West. Uh, she 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 takes his glasses right. from him, and you know she's like, yeah, it's it's it, first of all, he's a sixty plus year old man, and he needs to knock it the fuck off. But well, fine. what's even. Uh, What's more disturbing about that is the fact that his daughter is her schoolmate. That's right. So this daughter is, or granddaughter? I thought it was his daughter. Oh, maybe. I he don't know. Too old for that. But. I don't know how many. I'm curious about how many parents you actually see all together in this film. That's the other thing. When George is running along by himself, uh-huh. when Ben's getting hassled, later when Mike gets hassled, we see a lot of adults. Mm-hmm. Just fucking drive on by, walk on by, look on by. And they talk about that like that is part of the evil of dairy is Uh the lack of engagement. Now, whose parents don't we see? Uh, We see Bill's dad, Uh but almost never his mom. His mom's always playing the piano. Right. Uh, We see Eddie's mom. We don't know that he even has a dad in the picture. Right. No, no, we don't. I don't think that's... We never see Stanley's parents, but we know that they're around. Mm-hmm. But we never see them. We Mike's parents are dead. We see his grandfather twice. And we never see Ben's parents. And we never see yeah, uh, Bev's mom but because she's gone for... And we don't even know. We don't know why or how or what happened there. So do, we, we don't do see, see Richie's parents, right? And we never see Richie's parents. Correct. We might see their body forms when they're Instead, in the synagogue. Instead, we see his parents. Do we? We see At his the, dad very briefly in the very beginning. Is his when dad he's the rabbi? To recite, yes, and he says, okay. "Oh, the rabbi's son's the one who can't." Got you. Get That's the right. Ritual. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think we see Richie's parents like sitting next to him at the. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, at the bar mitzvah. Uh huh. But I don't know. But I think it's just like 
almost like peanut parents, right. like the forms of these adults, but we're not... Parents by association, they're yes. sitting there, therefore they must be Right, parents. exactly. But yeah, Ben's parents, that, that was, because I know that they run back to his house at one point, and they're looking at his collection of strange yeah, but things, we don't but we don't see, see them. No, and we may see hear them through the door, like mm-hmm. keep the door open or something like that. Whoa, 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 yeah, it's very much whoa, like, yeah. it's very much like yeah. that. Um, and... At this point, Patrick goes into the tunnels that the kids were in very recently, and he gets disappeared. He gets killed. Uh, and then we see his sign up later. Um, and then the next day, um, Ben basically has now joined this group. They're going swimming, and Beverly shows up, and then there's a whole scene of them at swimming in the quar- the one quarry that right. everything is filmed in. And I like the fact that this scene wasn't played in a really exploitational way. Um, no, it was. It's very funny because. She shows up and strips her underwear and jumps in the and all and these. She's like, they're like, I'll, she's like, I'll go first, and she's right. like, get out of the way, and she just jumps in, and, and she is very unselfconscious, which is interesting to me because right. I think that's also put put on. Uh-huh. I think that she's trying to appear unselfconscious. If yeah. my experience as an eleven, twelve, thirteen year old girl has anything, right to. Yeah, I think in the in original, in the, not the original, because I have to, there's a book, so it's not Yes, the, right. But the first in film the first version film. of it, she just looks like a terrified, scared girl. Yeah. And so this scene, there's a lot more, this telling the story, there's a lot more confidence to her. Yes. And yeah. so she uh, she winds up kind of taking the lead sometimes. Yeah, and I think that she understands that these boys are sweet boys. Mm-hmm. These are not the boys that are going to be well, dangerous she do to her. She can do this in front of these boys. She wouldn't be doing this in front of uh, Henry Bowers King. Right. No, she's going to get raped. Like there's yeah. no, there's no way. Yeah. But these boys are still. She's she's matured past them for sure. She's definitely, mm-hmm. if Taller not, all, if yes, if not the oldest, uh-huh. um, by number. Right. She's at least two years ahead of them, sort of. In development. Well, she's had to be, uh... uh yeah, we have to be. So, so... Um, and then... At, at one point, we see Mike running. He gets sort of... <laughs> Each of them are seeing... Apparitions. Mm-hmm. Or having experiences that they can't explain. And they're not talking about it at first. So, no... Ben probably has the most terrifying one, I think. The decapitated, uh, his scene in the library. Yes, yeah, that's right. So, let's start with... So, Bill sees George uh-huh. and hears George. In the basement, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie... What is Richie's? We don't see Richie's. We don't see Richie's. Well, yes, because at one point he turns to the group and he says, is it just because your only virgins can see these Only things? virgins I, can see these things, that's right. Yeah, because... Yeah, right. Because... We, <laughs> <laughs> sure thing, tiny, tiny, Finn Wolfhard, you definitely had sex. <laughs> <laughs> he is... This is... He is his character has some of the best lines. Right. And his interaction with... Um, Eddie? Eddie. 
those two should basically become the Laurel and Hardy or the they're so Alan Costello. They which are is, so in sync with each other. Yes, which yes, which makes the second one right so rough. Right. <laughs> um, yes, no, because. There is intimations in the second one that Richie is gay uh-huh. and it was in love with Eddie. Um, a thing that would never, like, they, uh, un, he's unable to uh, do anything about right. that at any point. But, um, but yeah, they're the, the, the comic timing. and the the, Yes, who, and those two kids. The kid who plays Eddie who did yes. a similar thing in Shazam. Yes. Where he just... He's very funny. Spits out the that lines. child is right. yes. very funny. He is really great. Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping that they're able to... And I hope Finn gets to do more comedy. Yeah. Because his he, timing is great. His timing is very... They, they're both very, very good. Um, Mike sees the burning... The burning of his parents, which mm-hmm. is real fucking rough. Stanley has this, it's all, it's like a climped. Well, I was thinking of Modigliani oh, with his weird old yes, okay. faces and Or, or like um, yeah. Who did the scream? Uh, Munch. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's very, yes, this stretched face of this, it looks like a pilgrim woman, uh-huh. and then she gets real sharp teeth, and, but yeah, she's like... She is a, yeah, I, okay, so then I would, I'm not sure which one of them I would say is most terrifying, because I think that Ben's decapitated... And then Ben's, right. yeah, reading the history of Derry, and at this, there was this fire, or this explosion, mm-hmm. that killed a bunch of people... And then, yeah, he's flipping through the pages, and it's the same photo, but it's zooming in. And then there's, yes, the decapitated head. Right. And, and then the tree. And then he later on sees this body wandering around the basement of the library. Yes, yeah. Without a head. It, that one was really... Uh, and then Bev uh, is attacked by blood. Yeah, uh, the Blood and hair. Bev's vision, I think, uh, it stayed with me because I remember finding a picture of uh, Goya's Saturn devouring his children oh, yeah. book when I was a kid and being terrified of it and putting the book spine in on the shelf so I'd always know where it was so I'd never pick up that book again. Oh, interesting. The idea of picking up a book and just being startled by something horrible that you didn't expect to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bev, Bev is having a moment that recalls almost The Shining, the elevator of blood. That's It is a really... I can't imagine even shooting that scene. Yes. It looks no. like it must have been messy as well. It all. was heinous, and I'm right. sure it took like three days. Yes. Ugh. I'm sure she spent a lot of time just covered in... Just covered in corn oh syrup. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. That sounds horrible. Uh, and so Mike um, has this experience and then gets sort of chased by the the bullies mm-hmm. into basically where the rest of them are hanging out and talking. Right. At which point a rock fight ensues, which... Rock fight. Once again, I cannot believe that rock fights were real things that happened and children didn't die on the reg. Because I, I don't know how they didn't <laughs> die on the reg because my nephew almost got killed by a rock. Uh, the proximity it came to, to this day, I still have such a clear picture in my head of like, oh, that just barely missed him. Like, it was right above his head. I knew of a kid who hadn't. Like had uh, like real bruising and bumping from getting into one, and they we had to talk about it at school. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, he just he got rocks really mangled, thrown by child rage. Right. 
could do well, serious damage to child bodies. There were parts of the world, and still are, where people are killed that way. It's a method of public execution. Yes, yes so it is. The only thing that saves you in a rock fight is that generally you're dodging and you're moving and, and you're, yes, and, you know, yeah, you're no. stuck so in one position. So the, the, the kids, are our kids, fight mm. off the bullies. Right. And then Mike is one of them. Right. The homeschool kids. The homeschool kid. kids. Uh, and they start going through um, these experiences that they're having. And Ben is like, yeah, so Derry's a fucking weird place. And a lot of kids die here. Like a, like a lot. Like a lot, mm. lot. Like a lot of adults die and disappear. But like way more kids die. And um, they go to his house and look at his research and... Bev finds the new kids on the black poster on the back of his door, and he's like, please don't tell them. And then she doesn't, because she's a good friend, good friend. Uh, and they determine, oh yeah, and Eddie's um, thing is a leper. Right. Because he's afraid of sickness, and mm-hmm. a leper is just personified illness right. that is contagious, which makes it worse. Yeah, a leper is what a hypochondriac is afraid of, 100%. And um, and then Bev invites them over, even though she knows that she shouldn't have boys in the house because she he her the, her bathroom is covered in blood. Right. And he her dad can't see it, and she just needs to know that she's not losing her mind. And they're like, "Oh no, we see it!" And they right. all help her clean it up, which is very good. Um, they really leave Richie downstairs. Who they're like, he's like, well, what am I supposed to do if her dad starts coming home? And he's, they're like, do what you always do, start talking. Uh, and then they figure that this um, derelict house is where it might be centered. Right. Uh, it might be where the well used to be because there was a well house, which was sort of the epicenter of danger in the past. And they go to the house. It does not go well for them. But they are, they do kind of figure out there is a thing. Right. Pennywise is like a, like a manifestation of this thing. And, um, and Richie does say he's afraid of clowns, which is pretty ironic given right. and I the think fact that he the, is one. In the original story, it was a werewolf, wasn't it? There was yes. some sort of 50s. Yeah, it was a teenage werewolf thing. And, yeah. And, and there's, yeah. Some, there's some really good scares and fighting in this piece uh-huh. there's also like right before this they're watching like old dairy footage in uh-huh. one of their attics i think and oh, it was pennywise oh is it the garage, it the the garage, garage that you earlier seen that he had put out the barons right. yeah and pennywise comes out of the footage ring style and he's giant mm-hmm. Ooh. And so that that scene to me is very very well, creepy one thing that and pennywise we should say is played by bill skarsgård yeah. Um. In a very interesting way, I think he's very good. He's, Will Poulter was supposed right. to play that role, you know, eyebrows from Midsummer, right. which I think would have been very cool. Um. But I, I think that he, where Skarsgård succeeds, is that he looks evil, but he comes across as harmless, at least in the way that he speaks to people, up until he does something really terrible. Yes. And he actually clowns really well. He does. 
he his he can move, uh-huh. and I don't know if it's just him or if they have another double, mm-hmm. but I think it's him. I think he's doing the physicality of the character. Right. There's this image, Bill Hader getting freaked out, right. and it's they're clearly not like being filmed, uh-huh. but. Bill Skarsgård is in his full Pennywise outfit, and Hader is wearing what the Hader's wearing. And Bill Hader plays Richie Tosher grown up, and he like freaks out. You like right. he, you see this, and it's because Bill Skarsgård can do this weird thing with his eyes that Bill Hader thought was CGI, and right. he does it for him, and it totally freaks him out. <laughs> and it's uh. It's a very good set of images. Um, uh, Skarsgård is going to be again in um, season one of Castle Rock. Okay. As a totally different character. You get to see his actual face. And I don't know what else I had seen him in. His brother... Is everywhere. Is everywhere. But he's been in fewer things. He's very good, though. That whole family... Very good, because their father is Stellan. Skarsgård. You know who they're not related to? Peter Sarsgård. Different name. They all kind of mush together in my brain. Um, Other people up for that that role? Mm -hmm. Mark Rylance, Ben Mendelsohn, Hugo Weaving, and Tilda Swinton. Oh, that's. I'm really curious what Tilda Swinton would have Yeah, right? I think it would have been I, really. Ever since, I think it was Snowpiercer, I just became convinced, oh, she can basically do anything. And he was very aware of what Tim Curry had done. Mm-hmm. And the costume design is deliberately very different from. Well, we talked about that. how Tim Curry had come off of Legend. Yeah. And was so... Please don't put makeup on. Right. And it had, like, a panic attack and injured himself ripping the makeup off one day. um, Yeah. Because he felt so claustrophobic. So what he did was sort of toned down, and I think they were able to do here with prosthetics and all, kind of more of what they wanted to achieve with the character, what the producers wanted to achieve with the character, or maybe even what the producers of the original uh, film did. Yeah. And, um... The other thing is that Bill is much younger, mm-hmm. much more close in age to the characters that he is tormenting here okay. than Tim Curry was, right? Tim Curry right. was a grown-ass man when he was in it. Yeah. And Bill Skarsgård is a young man, like he's in mm-hmm. his early tw- mid-twenties, maybe? And also something that she pointed out is that um, the, the character that... Uh, that Tim Curry did is playing a very kind of 50s era howdy doody kind of yes. clown. Yes. And, and this so he's is a much really, older. Right. He's doing the scene where he goes berserk and he's wandering yes. around honk honk. He's doing, yes. this was very much of that period. Yeah. And so I think it, you seem to find it mystifying. It's like, what is he doing? That's like, not, well, it's not scary to That me. was the clown shtick, though, if you watched television from then. Right. But not, so once again, that, not right. scary to me. Yeah. This Pennywise is terrifying to me. Well, like, even it, uh, in his silver outfit, especially once he starts dance, that dance uh, that he does, woof. <laughs> I think that the advantage also that the producers had now is that you weren't, uh, again, you weren't working on television. And so you could get away with doing something deliberately sinister or creepy because Tim Curry can certainly be very scary. Yeah. 
Yes. He was, Absolutely. It's like he was constantly kept in check by what was uh, what you could see on television. Oh, that's true. That is true. I think that's detrimental to the... I don't know. Making it as a primetime miniseries is a wild choice. <laughs> so. well, I thought that making The Stand, The, the Stand actually mm. wasn't that much further along, but it still was pretty... Unusual yeah, but for it's, the time. it's not as horrific. Uh-huh. I mean, there's the illness aspect of right. it. But the good and evil stuff you can do entirely sans blood. Right. Right. Well, I thought like, even, um, oh, good Lord, what is her name? Laura San Giacomo. Giacomo. Yeah. Um, her scenes, that her rape scene was surprisingly yeah. graphic for yeah. television. I thought, no, that's oh, God, true. I wasn't expecting to see that much of it. That is true. Yeah. So. Time passes. Oh, after they get out of the house, they basically are like, um, they splinter as a group. They Mm -hmm. can't, like, Richie and and Stan are like, fuck this, I'm not doing it. Right. Um, Stan especially, and Richie goes, yes. Eddie gets injured, breaks his arm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, he's kept with his mom because he's not allowed to go out with, you know. And the mom actually calls out Beverly. Yeah, of course, because um, she's a whore. Right. <sighs> so upsetting. Um, a little girl. You're calling a 13-year-old yeah. girl a whore. That's, yeah. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. And they kind of have to come back together because um, Beverly basically confronts her father, who mm. is getting worse and worse. And at that point, Pennywise shows up and she's like, I'm not a fucking, I'm not afraid of you. Right. Like, what I just had to deal with with my dad, I don't, I, mm. I'm not fucking afraid of you anymore. She's really not a kid anymore, right. basically, is what's happened. And he's like, okay, cool, well, you will be. And then he opens his mouth real wide and then there are deadlights in there. Deadlights. They don't, I don't think they call them the deadlights. So where are the deadlights? They, they hypnotize they do, her. Yeah, right? they hypnotize her. Okay. And then she floats up among the other floating children in his underground layer. Yes, in the sewer. Although I don't think it's sewer. I think it's just under... Like, they refer to gray water as, like, full of piss and shit, and gray water is explicitly not that. So gray water is what comes out of your sink. Went off from... Like, so it's gray because of residue and soap and things like that. It's not actually... It's your... Things that are flushed go to a different place. <laughs> My dad used to work in water treatment, so I have some knowledge. Um, and they're like, the, and then the gang gets back together to save Beverly. Basically, is what happens. Um, at the same time, they're being hunted almost by Henry Bowers, who has killed his father after having basically a psychotic break, wherein well, he was told to by. Uh... Miss, what's her name, in Romper Room? It was, yeah, it was like a Romper Room thing. So, but he, he's out shooting his dad's gun. Uh-huh. His dad comes home, who's the co- who's the sheriff, so, yeah. yeah, let's trust the police. His abusive dad comes home and um, is like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm cleaning your gun like you told me. Uh-huh. And this, of course, this is in front of his friends. He gives the gun to his dad, and his dad fires the weapon at his feet multiple times, right. causing him to piss himself and then he be, and and his dad sneeringly is telling his friends you know this is look at paper this paper man, man. Right. yeah exactly um 
at which point Henry's basically, that's it. That breaks mm-hmm. him. And his friends actually don't turn on him, but they do give him some space. They're like, Henry, are you all right? Henry, are you all right? And then he finds the switchblade, finds it. Was it was a gift. Finds it. And he goes inside, and yeah, the, the, at the behest of the nice lady Miss on Nancy television, whoever it was. he kills his father. And then he goes on the attack after the kids because mm-hmm. Pennywise doesn't think he can get to them at this point. Right. But Henry is like his avatar in the world. Um, the kids are going down into the well, into the sewer system, through the well in the abandoned house. Mm-hmm. And um, Mike has come with the only weapon they have, which is the thing that they kill cows with. It's right. the thing that Javier Bardem kills people with in No Country for Old Men. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and that's really the only weapon they have. Although they pick up, like, makeshift spears and stuff outside. Richie picks up a bottle and breaks it, and it's, like, just this little nubby, broken thing, and then he just drops it because he's, like... Not at all the way it happens It in seems movies. cool in a movie, but, yeah, right. it's not, not the thing. And as they get down, Mike's last to come down, and he's attacked by Henry. And they fight, and uh, it's almost bad. Henry almost kills him. He sh- he he shoots him with the mm-hmm. the I don't know what that like pellet gun thing, right. uh, the air gun. Um, but he he twists out of the way, or Henry moves, or something, and he and he doesn't end up getting shot. And then Mike pushes him down the well, seemingly to his death. But spoiler alert. He doesn't die. Uh, that's for next time. We don't know that this time. And then they uh, go down and they... The cattle gun. Cattle gun. That's I mean, it's what technically it's, it's a captive bolt pistol. Captive bolt pistol. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because the bolt is, mm-hmm. doesn't go... Get, doesn't, it's not a projectile. Right. It doesn't leave the gun. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And uh, they go down and... Then they fight. Um, ben wakes Beverly up with a kiss, which is not ideal, but here well, we are. Well, no, it's very much of a fairy tale. It's true. And that, that's kind of what they were aiming at, was the fact that there's a lot of And we know, like, there. Ben writes the poem, Your mm-hmm. hair is winter fire, I burn there too. Um, and then Bev tries to bring that up with Bill, and Bill's like, I don't know any poetry. And Bev's like, right, okay. So it wasn't you. Um and then, then they fight Pennywise. Pennywise comes out. He does his weird, creepy dance. He gets real big. Then they have basically a Boggart fight from J.K. Rowling from Harry Potter where he's trying to be the thing that they fear and right. they keep fighting it off. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. It's, it's the same. And, and I'm not saying this stole from her. She definitely right. took that from this or it's this you know right. parallel thought maybe but probably not and they finally beat him although he doesn't die he just retreats so well, they don't have the opportunity to because he retreats fully but as he's disintegrating yes um and he's creeping back down the well but there's a yeah there's a lot of it's there's a lot of really funny stuff that goes on between there. There's a and a there's really... so heartbreaking stuff because Georgia comes back, right? And Georgia. it's like, but I love you. And Bill shoots him mm-hmm. with the cattle gun, right? 
because he knows that's not Georgie, but that's right. Bill growing up, right? Yeah. Like right then, that's Bill growing up. And you, there's a kind of a process for maturation for everybody. I think the one who gets the worst of it, though, is Stanley. Yeah. Because it completely breaks his system of skepticism. Yes. I don't have to believe it. I don't have to believe it. I don't have to believe it. And then as it turns out, he does when it eats his face. Yes. And they barely save him. And he, this kind of breaks him. And we see that further in the second part. Yeah. He's just broke. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I kind Stan of... Stan didn't have the fortitude right. for this. He just... That's not the stuff that he's made of. <laughs> He wants the world to be a certain way, and it is not. Uh, then they come all back together, and, mm-hmm. and Bev tells them, you know, I saw a vision while I was, you know, floating, mm-hmm. and uh, if it comes back, we have to come back. Like, if it comes back, we right. have to come back. Swear it, swear it, swear it. They all become blood brothers and sisters, which, gross. And then uh, Bill gets up enough courage as they're all leaving to kiss her, and then they kiss. And then that's that. She's leaving the next day to to live with her aunt in Portland right. because she is no longer staying with her dad. Good. And then they kiss. Little kids kissing. Yes, and that's which the is end. much better than what the book was. Yeah, no, we're not going to even talk about it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, I was really impressed with how well written it was and how the kids carried off so much of what was funny about this story. Yeah. They really did a great job, and it was a great job in casting. The great pity is, of course, with child actors is they grow up and you never get to see them be this person again. You know, you can't reprise this role somehow. Yeah, and this largely was the script that Kerry Fukunaga wrote. Mm-hmm. He was originally intending to direct it as well, but... He clashed with New Lines, with New Line, mm-hmm. uh, and they were gonna cut his budget. And at that point, he was like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go." Right. And a lot of people have a, so they 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 rewrote the script, mm-hmm. but they left a lot of his bones in it, mm-hmm. and then got a lot away from that in the second part because he hadn't even written the second script. Yeah. And that is where people think that the second one sort of falls apart a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very, I don't know, have we talked much about him? No, no, I don't think so. He wrote and directed Sin Nombre mm-hmm. and the adaptation of Jane Eyre from 2011. He was the director and executive producer of the first season of True Detective, making him the first director of Asian descent to win a primetime Emmy Award for directing. That's ridiculous. He wrote and directed Beasts of No Nation, and he is going to, he is the director of No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie that will come out someday. (laughs) Someday it'll happen. Uh, The Mia uh, Wasikowska, Michael Fassbender, Jamie Bell. Mm-hmm. Jane Eyre, which yeah. I thought was great. It was. It, that. It, it, that story depends entirely on the chemistry between the two leads. Because uh, Mr. Rochester is not necessarily a likable person. You have to understand what she sees yeah. in him. And if that doesn't work, the whole thing falls apart. And those two actually did have their act together. It was pretty good. He also has a created by credit, uh, an EP credit, and wrote some of The Alienist. Oh, okay. Like, 
he's a really good writer and director, and he's done cinematography. Um, camera operator on certain things. Um, probably they'll just learn. So, and then he also was the EP for Angel of Darkness, the the follow up, the okay. second season of The Alienist. He and uh, Steven Spielberg are now finalizing um, the Napoleon film that Stanley Kubrick was trying to do. So that's a whole thing. Well, and he's he's working with HBO on that. Yeah, because here's I don't know why Steven Spielberg is trying to. He's going to just put his name. Yeah, but I don't on understand it. why he's trying to seal his legacy by taking up all of Stanley Kubrick's unfinished work. I don't yeah, know why he's doing it that. It is a weird. He insisted on having a final cut and an edit, from what I understand, of Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut, right. He insisted on making AI, which is a film that Kubrick abandoned yeah. because he said, I. With good reason. Right. It's like this, this story doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work cinematically. I, and he's a guy who made 2001 work, which mm-hmm. is barely a story at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he just overwhelmed you with this beautiful kind of visual world. Um, but he could not make. AI work and Steven Spielberg insisted somehow that he could and just failed. Yeah. And so I don't really understand why he keeps sort of trying to to take up the mantle of where Kubrick went. Yeah. Because and it, he won the Bram Stoker Award for Best Screenplay for it. Or mm-hmm. he was nominated, rather. So he still has um, screenplay credit on okay. this. And I think that that's where... Like, the writing on this movie is... Great! It's yeah. really, really good, and I, that a lot of that lives with Carrie Fun- Fukunaga. Uh, so, what do you think of this movie? I really enjoy, as I've told you, the the humor in the film and how that main how that keeps you going. We've talked about horror films that are too horrible to watch a second time. Yeah, and this is a film you can sit down and watch multiple times for sure. Because there's so much else going on other than the horror. And the fact that these kids, you bond with them. And they have a really... They're facing this with as much courage as they can muster. Mm -hmm. And they're not children the same way they were in the first It. Nobody's having throwing a battery at you and saying battery acid. Somehow that that didn't translate very well to the screen. It might have on on the page. But there's none of that in here. Instead, you have these kids who are kind of more self-aware. Yeah. And they, they are more like the kids that you know, and I think that helped the updating did. Yeah, yeah. I think having mm-hmm. them basically my age. They're a little bit older than right. me, but they're basically my age. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was eight in '88, so they're eleven. Yeah. So they're you know within my sphere of existence, and I'm like, oh yeah, I know these kids. I still never had a rock fight, but maybe I was just sheltered. I don't know. But yeah, I really find this movie very, very enjoyable and scary. Every time I watch it, I'm like, that shit is scary. When Pennywise comes out of that, um, the oh, it's a slide, it's a slide projector right, that they're doing, projector. which has always been like a weird, creepy thing, anyways. A slide to me. projector. Yeah, I don't like the sound it makes. Okay. That kachunk feels, I don't know, it's creepy. And then he comes out fucking giant with those teeth. Uh-uh. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, no, I and I, I the, the writing is really good. These kids are all right. They're spectacular. Amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I love this movie. I'm glad a lot. they've all gone on to careers. And it was funny because I was tra- we were trying to rent it, and it turns out I had already purchased it. So, whoops. Yeah, no, no, it's a really first-rate film, and I I, I enjoy it. You know, we we've gone through a couple, getting through the the eleven twenty-two sixty-three. There we go. Uh, getting through <laughs> that, where I at times was just at times having the hardest time liking these characters and getting through it. Yeah. I think there's a certain magic combination here that happens with these particular kids, the Losers Club, and how yeah. you want to stand up for them and how you like them. The Lovers Club. <laughs> and their whole view of the world. And if you've ever been a kid on the outside, that appeals to you. Yeah. This idea that, oh, no, they understand exactly what it's like to get bullied and beaten up and thrown to one side and to have nasty rumors following you. And you don't, you know, they're, in Beverly's case... She is trying to grow into a young woman with this cloud over her head. Yeah. Uh, about what they're saying about her. Because at one point, even Richie makes a crack about it when they first meet. Yes. Which... Because everyone believes that it's true. And the fact that she's discovering, A, that she has this power. Yeah. And discovers, like you said, with the Losers Club that she's safe there. And so she can just sort of act out just a little bit. And begin to sort of explore what it is to be a teenage girl and realizing. But at the same time, also, the even the vision that she has of blood coming out of a drain is really a vulgar kind of sexual image, but at the same time really exemplifies what her problem is. Yeah. Which is... That, and I will tell you, mm-hmm. as a person who had a first period at some point... Right. Relatable. Right, but it also, it's like, here's your problem in your face. This is going to happen to you. And suddenly your dad's going to notice you, which is disgusting and horrible. And yeah. you want her to get away from it. Yeah. Everyone here is struggling with what their issues are. And um, and, and so, yeah, it just it, it comes across. You like the characters. You like the way they interact, what they say to each other. I mean, Stanley, in the original film version, barely says a word. Yeah. You know, he, he's got more spine, more guts than oomph in this one. Right. Here, he actually is a real presence. And. It was kind of awful saying, "Oh, there's the one Jewish kid. Oh, look, you know, now he's um, now he's dead." You know, right? It's, yeah. But yeah, I, I aside from the fact that I, uh, I guess the 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 difference that happened with Ben being the the nerdy kid and Mike not being the nerdy kid that was the only thing that made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, they really don't... relegate Mike quite a bit in this one. Yeah. There's he's not given a lot to do, which is unfortunate. Um. But also, they're trying to get a lot into it. It's two hours and 15 minutes, and you want to get some well-rounded characters, but really the most well-rounded here are Bev, Bill, Eddie, maybe? Yeah. Because you don't even get that much of a story on Richie. No. Richie is a presence because he's saying what everyone's thinking a lot of the time. Yes, yeah. And being a smartass. And his one-liners are hysterical, which is another thing. Yeah. I think that the one-liners on, like, the character of Richie in the original film, uh, the first film, was the actor, I forget the actor's name. um, The adult? The kid. Uh, It was a robot chicken guy. What's his name? Oh, Seth Green. Yeah. And so, That's right. I forgot. Yeah. So as Seth Green, there's a 
he's doing, again, it's kind of dated a 50s comic shtick. Yes, yeah. He's doing Don Rickles. But he's supposed to be. It's, right. it's, it's the 50s. But in this update, he's just, he's not playing it that way. Yeah, he's, he's not taking my wife pleasing. A perpetual smartass who no, just yes. never shuts up. About how and big so, his dick is. Which right. <laughs> that's, that's most There's of no, you that. see, that's the other thing is. Finn Wolfhard is all of 78 pounds soaking wet in this movie. He's so small. All of which you see him soaking wet, actually. Just, I mean, um, he is little in this film. Yeah, but his defense mechanism is just to go on... Um, With those when, giant glasses. Yeah, but the whole... He's like 90% glasses. you know, that originally people were out here trapping beaver, and he's like, and it's still true, is it right, guys? You know, he's, <laughs> he's doing... A, or the, I think the line that really am I right? Yeah, <laughs> was uh, uh, when he winds up getting the, the when they're measuring or rather trying for the short stick so that no, they don't have to go into the house. Oh yeah. And his line is, "That's a good thing we weren't measuring dicks, huh?" Oh, yeah, right. Like <laughs> he's he always has to just has to he put has it to in push there, it. right? You know. And I am bummed that the only person who says "beep beep Richie" in this thing is Pennywise, right? Because he does it with no. It feels like something was cut out because there's only one like in the second film. Beverly says it to him, but there's not a context for it. Right. They no they, they cut out the context of it, right. and I don't. I don't know why. Right. I think that was necessary. And again, yeah. the film is very long at this point. It is. And I would have hated to have cut out anything that you had in here because every scene of this film is gold. Yes. No, I think Every it's, scene of it yeah. is just Which works so well. goes so, back to that script. Right. So like, when you start cutting things, it's like, where do you cut out where yeah. it won't hurt the film because the rest of it works really well? Yeah. All right. Is that all? That's all. All right. So you know what we're watching next? What? Gerald's game for something completely different. Adult games, no kids, no kids in this next one. We're gonna watch Gerald's game. It's a Netflix film. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Okay. Uh, from 2017 as well. And um, we'll just talk about Carlo Cugino and Bruce. What's Greenwood. Greenwood. Yeah. Plays a real dick. Very good though. Yeah. Well, one of them is in it more. Yeah, uh, yeah so we're, that's what we're talking about next week. In mm-hmm. the meantime, do you have anything you would like to recommend? No, not at all. I, I, don't, any, no, I'm just, I, I don't know what to recommend because I haven't seen that much new. Um, you can recommend old things. Okay, so recommending something old. Last night I saw for the second time The Host. Yeah, you did. Uh which is a film from, I guess it's 2006, right? Uh, 2006 or 2008. It's 2006. Oh, 2006. Um, which is a Korean film directed by Bong Joon-ho. You might know him from such films as Academy Award winner Parasites. Which is really kind of funny, I think is the fact that he directed a film called The Host and then followed it up with a film called Parasite. Yeah, that's weird. Also, And they're not I related to seen, each other at all. I think I hadn't seen The Host since, like, 2008. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I saw it originally. And I forgot all of the... The commentary, the social commentary right. in this movie, I, of which there is a lot, which shouldn't be surprising from the maker of Snowpiercer and Parasite. Uh, 
But I had forgotten literally everything other than it's a monster and also Sang, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sang, uh, Song Kang Ho. Song Kang Ho uh, is asleep all the time. Who is really funny because <laughs> he does, his characters are often stoic. And he... He's he, hilarious he in turns this. Out, often you cannot read his expression, but he just communicates so much for all of that. He's amazing how much information he gets across the screen at you. Yeah. Um, He's the, so great. Right. So great. So, so, so great. So glad that this director and this actor are putting out what they're putting out. Yeah, he, it, it's a story of that, uh, and I won't go too much into it, but... Um, waste is let loose in a river in Korea. Uh, By Herschel from The Walking Dead. Stupid white man, do stupid things. And the story then jumps to the future where there's some sort of horrible mutation living underneath a a bridge near a public park. On the the Han River. Right, and all the damage that it does and how it affects one particularly eccentric and weird family. Yes. And um, yeah, they they do not as the the slow ass archer who I think is adorable, but goes through the entire movie just frazzled as hell. The first thing where she's a very glamorous looking actress, and then she just does this transformation, and I can't tell you why because the the, the whole plot revolves around something that happens to the family where they both uh, are trying to rescue a family member and seeking vengeance, which is very Korean. Yeah. But it winds up being this hysterically funny film and really but violent also like and really scary. creepy, yeah. Right. It, yeah. It, it goes to, and they're very much like Snowpiercer, where yeah. you find out midway through that the guy that you've been rooting on as a hero is also a cannibal, or was at one point, a reformed cannibal. Um, there's just all sorts of twists and turns this movie takes and it's it's fun it's a lot of fun yeah it was really good i was glad we watched it again because like i said i've forgotten yes, all of the there's a whole virus time. part and it was, of it I, I keep forgetting i i, I and was, if things with viruses cause a trigger for you right, right now then don't watch this right now there's a whole pandemic thing that goes on in the film that i and that was because the monster is very memorable the creation, this creature that they make for the film, which it looks like, it looks like a, there's no, um, how can I put it? There's no beauty or grace about it. It is hideous and it looks just wrong, as if it has a problem even walking or swimming. Any function that it has seems to be hampered by the fact that it has too many limbs and it doesn't quite have an eye and it's just a horrible thing. Um... But yeah, the the film overall is just terribly, terribly funny, and it's great. I loved it. That's awesome. So what about you? Mm, well, I like that movie, The Host. I have just been finishing things. We finished Lovecraft's Country. Mm. It was phenomenal. Watch that if you haven't watched it. I finished The Vow. It was phenomenal. Watch that if you haven't watched it. Uh... I tried to watch Emily in Paris. I was unimpressed. But if you like Darren Star shit, watch that. It's fine. I don't know. Like, that's sort of where I'm at. I'm just watching yeah. things passively. So yeah, I haven't seen anything really new for a while. Oh, you know what I started listening to oh, at the behest okay. of maybe a listener to the show? Uh, is a podcast called The Magnus Archives. Uh-huh. Which... I started way back. They have 200 plus episodes and I've listened to the first like 
five. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so far standalone horror stories in a podcast form. There, the conceit is he's making an audio record of these written, um, like, what's the word? Statements uh-huh. about weird occult mm-hmm. or yeah esoteric stuff uh and so far so good so if you're looking for a new podcast because i ran out ran out of podcasts oops right. i used to listen to about a hundred that got um now you've narrowed it down to that got out 17. of control <laughs> and no i'm down to like 30 wow okay um and i basically went through all my back catalog of everything uh-huh. um the last thing i listened to the full back catalog of was blank check which i listened to 200 some episodes and now i'm like oh no i don't have any more of that so i have trouble with the the one thing that i will say is i'm not going to be able to listen to this the way that i listen to that mm-hmm. because i if I'm working, I can't listen to fiction podcasts mm. because I can't follow the story. I have trouble with fiction podcasts if I'm not focused on listening. Mm-hmm. And when I'm working, I'm not focused on listening. It's a passive activity. So if it's two people talking or three people talking about movies or whatever, I can take that in and it's fine. If you're trying to tell me a story with a narrative flow, right. I I lose the thread. So... I'm I'm going to have to find another podcast. Y'all, I need recommendations of podcasts that I can listen to while I'm working too. Like I said, I just went through all the blank check episodes and I might just re-listen to them. Um, but something along those lines, something funny and chatty that isn't telling a story so that I can have that to listen to. I will take recommendations. But in the meantime, like while I'm painting, the Magnus Archives is pretty yeah, good. I, I was listening to it originally when it was all posted on YouTube. And then I couldn't find it again. I was like, what happened to it? And you notified me that it was now a, that it was a podcast. Rather. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm glad to have found it again and start all over from the beginning. Yeah. And I enjoyed the, the stories that I did listen to. They um, are... Online, they are also on Facebook. Yeah, I couldn't on Facebook. I'm sorry, YouTube on YouTube. Yeah, I couldn't. I had a listing for it once, and then it I just couldn't find it again. Yeah, it is still available on there, and it's like the complete collection. And then they've got it divided into season one, season two, mm-hmm. season three. And maybe there was four. a reorganization because I don't remember it being yeah. that way. I yeah, don't maybe. know how I lost track of it, but I did. Um, and I'm better with fiction, I think, listening to fiction and carrying the thread in my head. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm able to do that, but yeah, music I can't listen to when I'm working. Yeah, <laughs> and we all that. have our our different things yes. that allow us to work or not work as it as it goes. But um, so I'm enjoying that so far. Yeah, good. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, next time, Gerald's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, content warning. Um. Um. Everything. Degloving. Yeah, people get hurt. S- yes. Yes. But I also feel that if you followed us through the Stephen King world at this point, you're expecting pretty horrible things. Yes. There's some pretty horrible things in this one. Uh this is the first this is the first book or the only book that my mom put an age restriction on. Mm. She told me fourteen and I read it when I was fourteen and I was like, hmm, I wish I was older. <laughs> so <laughs> she should have told me sixteen, but that's fine. Uh so that's up next, uh Gerald's game. Uh, in the meantime, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or 
a podcast I should listen to, you should email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook, latecomerspodcast. Search in the search bar. Until next week, I remind you, take your medicine. And we remind you, better, better late than, than never. never.